Welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and it exists to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective in reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com for articles, videos, and tools to help you and your church be more outward in your ministry. Now on with today's episode. Rad Herzog here for Outward OPC. Today I have Charles Biggs with me. Charles is the regional home missionary for the Presbytery of the Mid-Atlantic. So I think as people are kind of getting to know you as they as they hear this, um, I was talking to John Shaw recently and some of the home missions uh, crowd, and you know we were talking about different people to have on the podcast, and and John Shaw mentioned among a list of a few men, he mentioned your name, and he described a few men particularly some men who are regional home missionaries, as that uh, he said this, the Lord has been giving us men with an evangelistic heart, an evangelistic passion, an evangelistic ability. Mm. And your name was included in that among several others. And I'm sure many, many could be listed in that. But I wondered, as we hear that from you, we're getting a sense of that in this interview. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how that came about, I, I know, and everybody knows, it's from God and the Holy Spirit. But mm-hmm. humanly speaking, you know, some people kind of have it. You know, when they become Christians, they have this yes. energy and passion, and some don't. Some have to yes. be more intentional as they go about it. Where do you fall in that, and what has helped shape you? Did you have some mentors? Has it, has there been mile markers of sermons and things like that, or books that have helped you? What what brought that about in you? Yes. Excellent question. I think so. Let me let me just start it by just making this comment. I think there are times of growth, uh, sanctification, where it may be accelerated because of uh, because Christ is so kind to us um, because He's called us to a specific task. Um, you know, I always think of the throne of grace. You know, Hebrews four sixteen, as we receive mercy for our sins, but we find grace to help us in our time. That grace for strength, that grace to do something that he's called us to do. And, and, and I think that when the season came for me to particularly do this, I, I, I frankly, I would have been some, I, I did respond saying, I do seek to evangelize. I do love uh, to make known the gospel but I, but I'm afraid that I'm a bit weak in this. Um, this is a this is not something I think I have the ability to do. In other words, if I could put it that way, I'm an introvert. It's learned to be an extrovert. And as a pastor, you go through seasons where you're very busy with all kinds of things that are very important. You're you're preparing sermons. You're 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 you're, you're discipling. Um, you're counseling. You're going to presbytery meetings. It's a lot of, of busyness. And so in that season, it's we're called to evangelize. I think in that season, at least the way I would think of it in the past, is a lot of my evangelism is that week after week worship, preaching faithfully, administering the sacraments, praying, fellowshipping, having prayer meetings for the lost, encouraging our, our saints. I, I just that was what I sought to do faithfully. All right. And and again, you look back and you say, you know, I wish I'd done this a little bit. Over time, as I would, as I was called to this, and as I would go to boardwalk, we would take uh, during the summer, our congregation would, would um, 
we joined together with another congregation in Maryland, and we would go for a week, and I would get to preach and evangelize on boardwalk, I think four, maybe five times, okay, somewhere around four times. And that, every time I came home, wanting to not only um, teach others to evangelize, but I wanted to do it more myself. So I think it was gradual, okay? I will say this, that looking at the whole story arc of my life thus far is when I was a new Christian, um, I was constantly evangelizing in my first year or two. In fact, my wife was actually a convert of mine, all right, by God's grace. I mean, you talk about the Lord's kindness. You would think I would be encouraged to evangelize, you know, like at that level for the rest of my life. But that that was a season. And then I saw others, um, you know, friends, two or three friends that came to the Lord in my first couple of years. And I think as a pastor, again, I sought to be faithful, but I don't remember any life-changing moments, I would say, something like that. I saw over time, gradually, the need, and I sought to be faithful, all right, with the time and the season I had. Um, I think when, again, when I was praying to consider this present call. That third thing you articulated about someone observing is from Christ and his spirit, because that ability was something where I had I, I had already thought through the 10 principles that I shared with you. I, I thought about it more intensely. Uh, I started praying more intensely for this end, and, and I've seen growth. But I, But I think I would summarize all that in saying that there's just seasons in which we grow in certain ways of sanctification. Um, and sometimes there are particular callings or particular giftings that that we will see more evidence of in, in certain seasons more than others. But I think that one of the, the blessings of gaining some ground in a certain season is that you don't want to lose that. You know, in other words, in the last year and a half, um, I've grown uh, by God's grace in being more fearless, more confident in Christ, not in all, having all the answers, but in Christ and his word, you know, confident in his word, really confident that his spirit will work through the word. That even if I share a scripture, if that's all I've got, that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. If that's all I can get out in a prayer, good. That's powerful. Confidence. I see that grow. I don't want to lose ground on that, though I'm afraid that's probably something that will happen. It's just the way sanctification goes. But I would pray that it would be more progressive. So does that get it? What um, what yeah. you're asking? Yeah, I, I think so. I, yeah, I, I think that what, what I would say is if I ask my wife or others in the church, maybe even unbelieving friends, you know, have I been faithful to evangelize over the years? You know, I think they'd say yes. But yeah, I think what's what stands out to me in hearing that is is you said you're an introvert intentionally learning to be an extrovert. I don't think people's initial reaction would be you're an introvert. Like I've been with you now for 30 or 40 minutes. Yep. My my gut reaction wouldn't be he's an introvert. But to hear that is encouraging because outward OPC and different dynamics, you know, we often talk about people like Eric Hausler, who seems like a natural kind of extrovert evangelist or Eric Watkins, you know, out there surfing and kind of reaching people. But that's the minority. They're, they're kind right. of the, the outlier of 
who OPC pastors are and OPC members are. And so I think it's encouraging for people to hear, hey, I'm an introvert, but here's how I, over time, have gradually grown in being an extrovert. I think that's the helpful part of, of, of what you just said. Well, and, and, and that's why um, that number four principle of being yourself is so important is because there are some who will go out. Uh, this morning, I go to connect at a diner with several people, walk around the room, shake hands, ask how I can pray, etc. I contacted two or three people this morning, made stronger relationships, prayed, came home within the first two hours of my day. But there's some, uh, they would be preaching on a corner of a street and and um, that would be their style. That'd be their thing. Would I do that? I think so, but not naturally. It doesn't come like, you know, it's not the first thing I think about. It's not, I don't think it's me. You know, I think me is better one-on-one actually in that way. And sometimes in larger groups where I have the evangelistic moment or opportunity, like at a funeral I had recently, that kind of thing. But I think that I, I think people need to realize I, I needed to people didn't need to realize I had to learn, brother Brad, that when we get a label for ourselves, sometimes it's to help us to fit into a comfort zone because we don't like to challenge ourselves and change. So if I'm called an introvert, all right, that's cool. Here's what introverts do. Label yourself and sit over in that corner and do nothing. No, but what Jesus does is he says, I've called you to self-denial. I, I've called you to pick up a cross. I've called you to face your weaknesses vulnerably with me. And though you tend to be at rest, perhaps, or more comfortable with your your introvertedness, I'm going to teach you how death and resurrection power makes you alive, makes you powerful with zeal that you didn't know you had, you see. And And that's what I want. And that's what I would say my family has observed in me, too, is that there's something in that death and resurrection to say, yeah, at the end of the day, you're going to find me chilling, listening to my uh, my music, reading my books, okay, uh, kind of needing a little time to recharge. You know, I'm putting myself in the recharge, going to put the battery on the station. But the reality is that that the next day comes after that recharging. The Lord wants me to get up and, and put that to death and come and serve him, come and follow him. So if I could maybe shift gears a little bit, thinking about the task of an RHM to gather new groups of people in different parts of the presbytery, I kind of have one or two yes. questions thinking about that. The first is for existing OPC members in churches, they're, they love their church. They've been there a long time. There's now discussion about a church plant and you're kind of toward, you know, you're toward that area that you're talking about and the new plant is in need of people. How would you how would you encourage, how would you talk to people who are in that position, maybe hesitant to leave the confines of the church they love, the people they know, into this unknown of church planting in an Elks Lodge or in a movie theater or right. wherever, and not knowing the dynamic of who's going to be there? How would you how would you talk to OPC members yep. about that dynamic? Well, I, I want to put before them the 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 glory of Christ seeking worshipers in spirit and truth, and that here is another location where God the Father through the Son by the power of the Spirit there'll be a group of believers uh, who'll be worshiping in spirit and truth, and there in that group uh, there'll be service 
There'll be sanctification through that service. There'll be growing selflessness. There'll be hard things, but great joy in seeing discipleship in this way, and then evangelism, and then growth by God's grace, all of these things. And, and to help them to see, especially if they've ever lived at a distance from a worship service, and they've and I try to get them to, to think this way, to picture this. I was just doing this a couple of weeks ago with a congregation, established congregation, is, is getting them to think about, do you, have you ever lived 40 to 45 minutes away from your congregation where you know the gospel's faithfully preached, where sacraments are ministered, where there's prayer, where there's truth, there's love, and, and you've wished that you could bring a neighbor, but they're not going to drive that far with you. And then you have to take everything back to your place and there's nothing nearby. I said, that's what planting is all about. It's, it's, by, it's thinking about those locations where in almost every congregation, uh, you can map several of the families who live closer, perhaps nearer to one another at another location. And to think about the adventure of bringing the worship in spirit and truth, of learning sanctification through further selflessness and service through sacrifice, uh, through following Christ to a new location so that there can be discipleship, so there can be a new place on the map where those neighbors can come, where they can be invited, where there can be hospitality, where there can be people fellowshipping, where there can be events in the nearby park and not the park 45 minutes away. So uh, those are some things that come off the top of my head, brother, is that I'm trying to stir them up to think about first the glory of God in a new location. You know, it's like I, I often think about all the altars to unknown gods and false gods that you you see in the ancient Near East and and even in, in lands today. You go to places and there's an altar to a god and there's another altar. And and every worship service that we have, every time we establish a church plant, it is not Christ is our altar, but it is a it's a congregation where the Lord is building these living stones up to be a holy temple where his presence is specially covenantally made known in that new location to put it as um, John Piper would put it and then add a little something to it from our chair of home missions who added this little bit um, to it. Uh, Andrew Miller, I'm very thankful for his partnership and him as a brother, but uh, I love the way that um, John Piper opens his book on, on his book on missions where he says, missions is not our ultimate goal. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Boom. That's all I needed. I paid my $5 to get his book or whatever, you know, and then I closed it after that because that's all I needed to know from him. I mean, really, that's what that he he unpacked that throughout the whole book. But that was it. It's about worship. It's about getting worship. Well, my brother, Andrew, added something to that. It was that, that missions exist because worship doesn't. And then we want that worship to exist because we want um, those raised up to cultivate a sense of church planting for more and further mission, not just to become another location of worship, but to become potential, um, you know, church planters. So on the, not, not necessarily the flip side, but another question related to that. So when you go out to gather this group, we might be prone to think, well, in a new church plant that's going to form into a Bible study first and, you know, need to get going, that should be, hardcore reform people. That should be OPC people, reform people. I'm guessing that the dynamic includes for you, why not have new converts and the lost from the start know about this church plant? How do you, how do you balance 
that a church plant or a new group, let's say a new group even before it's a church plant, is needs the stalwart reformed people as its base, but also from day one needs to be thinking we, we are going to a place that has a lot of people that not only may not be reformed, but aren't Christian. How do you work out that dynamic? It's such a young, fragile group that's a Bible study heading to a church. I'm, I'm still learning as an RHM brother. So um, I'm not as um, experienced in this. And in in, in what I'm saying is I'm not undermining what I'm about to say, but I do want to say that um, I've, I've been in this role, thankfully, for a year and a half, and I'm still doing these things. So what I'm about to say is how I would address that matter when the time comes. Is that, is that? Yeah, that, sure. And, and it's, it's already with something. Let me, let me start here. When I've interviewed folks uh, to determine whether I think it's a good fit or a good relationship, it eventually came to no, I don't think now's the time. No, I don't think this is the right seed group. The reason was because they were wanting to more narrowly be reformed rather than a proper, confessionally reformed, more reformed Catholic um, identity. Um, you know, and I want to keep this as, as clear as I can. Uh, we're very thankful uh, for being confessional reformed, but we're reformed Catholics, not, Re- not, not Roman Catholics, but we're reformed Catholics. And we know that what must be central is the gospel. What must be central is, is the gospel and the transforming power of God in Christ. And so the ones that you're looking for uh, in that church plant, in that, whether it's a new group or whether it's a group coming from another, is you want them to have at least two things. And one is that they are constantly seeking to be transformed by the gospel. They are gospel-oriented first and foremost. They, they want Christ and Him crucified to be central to everything they're doing and saying. And what's connected to that is that... They're a people who are learning to die. They, they have to learn to die to self. This can't be, we didn't like our, fir- our first pastor because he didn't, uh, you know, accent all the doctrines of grace all the time, okay? Or that, um, you know, we wanted more uh, application with regard to politics. It has to be that, that the reason why we're going forth here is because this is an opportunity for the worship of God, for discipleship, for evangelism. And when we're going forth, we're going forth with Christ as the center, the gospel as the center, and and as ourselves as recipients of that gospel, as those growing in that gospel and who are learning to die uh, to self um, so that, that, that this new congregation can thrive. Thrive, yes, as a confessional reform congregation, but one that is still interested, very interested in connecting and making links up with other um gospel congregations in the area and honoring them in a proper way. That uh, groundwork that you laid there answers the more specific question of, as a new group is forming, is it wise and advantageous for that young, new baby group to be reaching out to people who are lost and in that new community, or as maybe some people would be prone to think, well, we need to get our ducks in a row first. We need to, you know, get the reform group, get the leaders, get to a place where we're worshiping as a church, then we can do outreach. Is it advantageous and wise and uh, the reality that from day one, this new burgeoning group that might be meeting in somebody's home should be reaching people in that new geographic area? 
the minute two or more gathered in Christ's name, go for it. Go with intentionality of reaching out and offering hospitality and saying, this is happening. Uh, the Lord is doing something here. We, we, we are a church, uh, a daughter church or a new uh, congregation. And the, the Lord Jesus, we'd love to invite you to our worship services. They're on the small side at this point. We're, we're, we're building up. We're growing. Um, at least reach out for invitation and evangelism. Because what will happen is they, they may come at the early uh, point. They they may come at that point and join you. Um, it could happen, but at least they get to know you. And as they get to know you, you'll have more opportunities for evangelism. As you get more opportunities for evangelism and they see God's faithfulness in the growth in numbers, they probably feel more comfortable jumping in at some place. But I would say it's a gradual thing of two or more gathered in Christ's name, begin linking with as many people as you can in a web of um, of, of, of relationships, of seeking each day to form a new relationship with someone in that area, in that community, for the sake of the gospel. You know, the not being Christ is remembering that it's not for the sake of a relationship merely. It is that. We don't, we're not just into projects, but we are into a relationship for Christ's sake and for their soul's sake. And, and again, I don't want to undermine because I haven't specifically had this in my memory or recollection of doing it. Um, I think the principles are there, and I think they're there even when one of my uh, first opportunities as an RHM was telling a group no, because I thought that, and, and we thought, me and the home missions committee, thought that it was, um, it was narrowing in an in unhealthy manner. Yeah, and I think I think where my question comes from is also hearing other RHMs talk about it and reminding people that as a new group is forming, if it wants to be an evangelistic, outward-facing group, it's probably not going to help to wait a year or two until you're, you know, established as a church and recognized as a home mission. You you may be eight people gathering in somebody's home, but there may be opportunity to have a barbecue, to invite people to a Bible study, and set that sort of culture and tone, as I've heard, you know, some of your fellow RHM, well, Mark Sumter and others talk, talk about these things. Our, our newest work on the Eastern Shore, um, when we had Presbytery a couple of weeks ago, and this, this congregation's uh, five, six families, um, five, five, six members of the Presbytery, because it's a mission work now. But uh, there's, um, there's eight families or so that regularly come to the worship. While I was at Presbytery and the brother who is um, the stated supply there, we were at Presbytery. We we both received a picture. The majority of that congregation uh, doing a walkathon for life and interacting and and evangelizing and being part of the larger community. And I was thrilled to see that because um, we're moving right now to a public building, but it's in a living room. But I didn't think, oh well, you need to wait on doing that. You know, I didn't say, I didn't think. Neither one of us thought, well, um, oh, don't don't let them evangelize yet. We don't have anything to invite them to. No, they were out inviting them, telling them about the congregation, telling them they were good shepherd OPC. Um, and right now we're meeting at this farm, uh, but we're looking at a place in such and such area. So go, go for it immediately. In fact, I think that's part of what you're looking for in the daughtering uh, congregation is, are they outward looking? Because each congregation has a certain personality that the Lord is forming and wants to make. And one of the things that we want each congregation 
to do, especially in the sense of a daughter congregation, we want that congregation to be stronger, maybe, and learn from the weaknesses of, of an established congregation. There's always weaknesses we can learn from. So if if there's a there's always a tendency, there's always a temptation uh, for comfortable, to be comfortable, uh, to receive what we have. If, if in the members that are going forth, if they're just trying to reproduce that comfort zone, they're probably not the best ones to go forth uh, in the work. I don't want to be sound negative, but but the ones that are, let me put it positively, those who are best will be the ones who say, we have some weaknesses that that we realize in, in that we'd like to be more evangelistic, for instance, that kind of weakness, not 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 a illegitimate weakness, but but that kind of weakness that, that we want to we want to be more outward looking, for instance. Well, that's going to inspire the larger, more established mother church to 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 do the same. And so they're going to feed off each other in a wonderful way. It's just like when 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 I see my daughters even taking a truth that I've maybe passed on to them and doing better with that truth or someone I've mentored. I know many of my uh, the, the young men I've got the privilege of mentoring. I, I tell them the truth and have had the privilege of praying with them and passing on. I think they handle it better than I. You know, so it stirs me up. They become it encourages one another, feeds off one another. So Charles, uh, wondering if we could sort of wind down with, I think people really resonate with stories of what's going on and what's happening. You've been at this a year and a half. And I wonder if you could share with us, you know, one or two things that stand out, stories of either evangelism and outreach or something that's happening in one of the uh, mission works that are the type of thing that, you know, you would want to tell the OPC, hey, here, take a hold of this. Here's an encouragement of what God's doing. What are what are one or two stories that you'd love to share with us? Well, the first one would be the Eastern Shore um, in Melfa, Virginia. And that's our newest mission work. We, it became a mission work in February of this year. Um, just seeing the way that the Lord has brought in uh, these saints, stated supply and, and now a, a licentiate to the gospel in our presbytery. Um, he was um, a faithful preacher in the United Methodist Church. And so uh, his conversion to the Reformed faith was gradual over a few years. Several of the members of his congregations or others he had an influence on um, have come to start this Orthodox Presbyterian Church on the Eastern Shore. So we see the Lord's uh, great uh, power and hand in bringing about these folks to come to know uh, more deeply of uh, the truths of the riches of the of the of the biblical faith. There was a man who had attended church. I'll just say it like that, that. He was a church member all his life. You know, he's in his uh, 60s or upper 60s. And under the ministry of just reading the word, really, at Good Shepherd, he became converted. He came to know the Lord Jesus. He came to know the difference between a, a, a head knowledge and a true, you know, saving heart knowledge and relationship with the living God. And it was just through the power of the word and the spirit. And so he was baptized. I, I had the privilege of baptizing him in the, the triune name. He'd never been baptized before uh, back on Easter Sunday. That was very sweet. Um, and so that has been, uh, that congregation has been a, a wonderful work of grace. The way that the, the congregation came to us was through the faithfulness of Steve Doe, uh, the, the brother, you know, Pastor Steve Doe, who was the RHM before me. 
and uh, Lowell Ivy in Virginia Beach. They had um, really connected with this group and introduced me to the group last late spring, early summer. And so that's uh, that's one of the first things um, I would highlight. Another is a congregation that's really flourishing in our presbytery is a daughter church of Sterling OPC. It's Acacia Reform. John Paul Holloway doing a fantastic job of being faithful from the pulpit to preach, but also in getting to know his neighbors, encouraging the congregation to get to know their neighbors, praying for a real passion and heart for Manassas, Virginia, which is where they're located. And um, and and we're seeing um, new new folks um, who are visiting the church, uh, neighbors being invited over for hospitality. That's another uh, story that that just been grateful to see. Grateful to see the 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 increase of numbers there um, at that church. Word of Life, which is in Howard County, Maryland, uh, Columbia, Maryland area. Uh, Word of Life, where Stated Supply Peter Lee has been faithfully uh, serving. It's a smaller congregation, but stable, uh, loving uh, community, gospel-oriented community. And each time I visited, there's been two to three unbelievers who are there present for the preaching of the word, who are part of the fellowship, who are being warmly welcomed. Um, So encouraging and inspiring to see. Our other work that we do with partnership with the Presbytery of the Southeast um, down in Richmond area, they were not seeing the growth that they'd like in numbers. They've been thriving, I think, in their fellowship and hospitality and invitations. But they did something that I think is so very commendable, uh, fundamental, foundational. If somebody says, what's the first thing I need to do to, to reach a loss? I'd say pray. And they formed a prayer meeting just a couple of weeks ago, starting on Wednesday nights. And um, that's spectacular, brother. Uh, those those saints are saying, we want to grow. We're not only going to reach out. We're going to do that. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep being hospitable. And they have been. They've been very consistent. But they haven't seen the numbers as they'd like to have seen. So they started a prayer group just to pray. And I think if every church... If they're interested in growing in in numbers or just in having a compassion for the lost, start a prayer meeting for the lost. Start a, uh, having one of your prayer meetings of the month given to just praying for your lost friends and family and neighbors. Those are those are that's our highlights uh, from each one of them. I'm sure there are things I'm overlooking, but but those come to mind as things to highlight, brother, in the way that the Lord's working. And as you know, he. Our, our, our Father in Heaven works faithfully and purposefully and perfectly, and yet in His time, and and what seems slow to us, we can be reminded that 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 God has promised, and so that's why I think it's so important that we all feed on the promises of God, that that we remember the to to have one another pray for each other, that we we pray for one another, and that we feed on the promises. Um, I'm often um, encouraging others and and starting with myself and my family but encouraging others to remember the faith of Abraham as it's given to us in Romans 4 where it says that that no unbelief caused him to waver concerning the promises of God but he grew strong in his faith giving glory to God fully persuaded that God was able to do what he had promised to do 
Well, that's a good note to end on. Charles, this has been great. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for kind of sharing your heart and your heart for evangelism and what's going on in the Presbyterian the Mid-Atlantic. I'm sure this will help lots of listeners know what's going on, pray better, congregations praying better. So thanks for your time today. My pleasure, brother. That's it for today's episode. You can go to the website at outwardopc.com to check out more resources. And you can sign up for our email list where you will receive notifications when new things are available. Until then, we'll see you next episode.